0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Sex and Violence, your weekly punk rock movie podcast and another edition of our sub-series, My Grody Valentine, where a special guest sits down with us and discusses their favorite sexy, violent cult film that they wish they could share with the world but just can't trust them to like it as much as they do. This week, we have a great pick. I've kind of been trying to court this fellow to do this show for a little while now, and finally he relented, and I'm thrilled we got him. And He gave us so much rich material to work with here. It was, it was a great conversation. We're talking with Jay Overdorf, formerly of Jay and Brian's Excellent Video Store, and filmmaker for Maximum Overdorf Films. Check out his movies um, on his YouTube channel, Maximum Overdorf. Jay talks about a Clive Barker classic, a forgotten classic, called Nightbreed. I watched the movie, and I listened to a huge portion of it again, cutting this episode. It's a whole lot of something else. It's kind of batshit, but in an awesome 90s horror fantasy kind of way. Plus, fucking David Cronenberg's in it, so hey, that's automatic win. So, without any further ado, here is Jay Overdorf with Nightbreed. As far as
1: horror fantasy is concerned, Clive Barker definitely has a signature that's his own. If you're reading a Clive Barker story, if you're watching a Clive Barker film, it's his and you know it's his. Candyman.
2: Were they none of you, but yeah. Jesus wet. <laughs>
1: he is a playwright, a screenwriter, a novelist, a filmmaker, a painter writes comic books. Like, I don't think there's a single thing he hasn't had his hand in. An artist of the truest form, as far as horror is concerned. My name is Jay, formerly owner of Jay and Brian's Excellent Video Store. I am an independent filmmaker. You can check some of my films out on YouTube, Maximum Overdoor Films or 3BR Pictures. And uh, I used to host Saturday cult horror movie screenings at the Steel Stacks.
2: Who's buried in Midian? Ain't nothing but dead folk. Somewhere, (laughs) hidden from sight, (laughs) closer than you might think, (laughs) is a place that's not on any map. Midian. Something's reading there. It looks a lot like hell, (laughs) but they call it home. There goes the neighborhood. They're not pretty. They're not neighborly. You'll come back now, you hear? They're not even human. But this time, they're the good guys. From the imagination of Clive Barker comes Nightbreed. You can't go down there! They have only one enemy. A beast called man. Sworn to destroy the nightbreed. Sounds like we're going head to head with the devil himself. And only one chance a man. Moon! Called Boone. It's time to fight! Go get him, boys! I'll kill you! All. What chance have, have we, we got? got? They're armed. So am I. Out of your deepest fears and your darkest fantasies. Clive Barker brings you a startling new breed of adventure. I won't let you down. Nightbreed. At last, the night has a hero.
1: Outstanding. Nightbreed is a 1990 1990- feature-length film, written and directed by Clive Barker, adapted from his book, Cabal. It focuses on Boone. He is I want to say a guy who just hasn't found his way in the world. He's lost. He, trying to figure himself out. He never really felt like he belonged, you know, with us, with society. Decker's been calling again. When? All well, last week, every day.
2: What does he want? I don't know. I haven't talked to him. I haven't called him back. Well, if he can help. I just... I'm so frustrated. He spent all that time working with somebody. oh else. go see him. Okay, tell him it's all gone except the bad dreams.
1: Dreams aren't even that bad anymore. i actually beginning to like him. He has a girlfriend named Lori. She's an artist and a musician. She, she understands that, that he doesn't really feel like he belongs. She accepts him, tries to, tries to encourage him. Boone has, has nightmares. Boone has uh, uh, bad dreams about monsters and death. He seeks psychiatric help for this. His psychiatrist, Dr. Decker, convinces him that during blackouts, he actually goes and commits the crimes that he describes in his dreams. Well, when you imagine yourself being taken away to this
2: invented city to Midian, what sins were you going to be forgiven? Are we back in therapy, doctor? They were just dreams. Midian doesn't exist. Monsters don't exist. But murder does, Aaron. Murder is very, very real. It might start in the mind. But then it changes to flesh and blood.
1: I'll light up for this one. let's talk about the cast. So this will be a little known fact and maybe a selling point for some people who haven't seen it because there are definitely fans of one film versus this one who have not seen Nightbreed. For, for people who have seen Hellraiser and are a fan of Hellraiser, a better part of the cast of Cenobites is actually in Nightbreed. Lylesburg, He is a a much older looking gentleman, kind of looks like Father Time with red eyes and like gills in his cheeks. Are you prepared to be judged by the God? Yes. That is actually Doug Bradley who plays Pinhead. Oh, no tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. And then in, in, in the vein of speaking with all the studio interference that happened with that movie, they did not like his voice, so they changed it for the film. So it's actually, unfortunately, not his voice in any version of the film that you watch. And then I believe the Nightbreed character's name is Kinski. He's got, like, the moon-shaped face. Who is your advocate? I am. Have you tutored him in the law? Yes,
2: he has. Let the advocate answer. Yes, I have.
1: He was uh, the chatterer in Hellraiser, the one that smacked its teeth together all the time. Craig Schaefer, who played Boone, is actually a Pennsylvania native. He's from York. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting him. He's a really awesome guy. A little selling point for probably some people, but probably none of the listeners. He was in the show One Tree Hill. Keith. Most importantly, the villain of the film, Dr. Decker, is played by none other than the director of many, many, many a great horror film, David Cronenberg.
2: Freeze! Aaron Boone, you're under arrest! Inspector, I know how to talk to him. Boone, it's going to be okay. They know everything now. I've explained everything to them. They're not going to hurt you. I didn't do it. I didn't hurt anyone. Of course you didn't. Can you believe me? I believe you. He's got a gun! Oh! On the
1: fire! In, he has had several cameos in films, uh, but this is the one that he carries and he is phenomenal. Just haunting voice, haunting performance as a mass slasher just hits the nail on the head, just doesn't miss a beat as the villain of a horror movie. He is absolutely and totally fantastic. And just for shits and giggles, Google pictures of him and Clive Barker uh, on the set of that film. They literally look like best buds. It is hysterical. Boone, the one thing in his dreams that pop up all the time is this place called Midian. Midian, as they say, is a place where the monsters live. After being set up, And accused for these crimes by his own psychiatrist, he goes looking for Midian. His psychiatrist ends up being the one who set him up for uh, the crimes he convinced him that he committed. Dr. Decker wears this fucking epic mask with buttons on the eyes and a zipper on the mouth. And uh, is essentially the the horror movie trope of a slasher. Dr. Decker is... uh, said person committing the crimes, the murders. He goes around and kills families that he believes are a blight on society. Uh, very, very bigoted murders. He follows Boone to Midian and sets Boone up and then local police uh, murder Boone. But as it turns out, Boone is Nightbreed, so he's able to, to come back and transform into the thing that he's he's been dreaming of. Nightbreed, the people who live in Midian are the last remaining members of different races of shapeshifters. They are what our if this movie was placed in reality, they are what our like universal monster movies would have been based off of. Like it's where werewolves came from, it's where vampires came from, it's where, you know, any any creature of the night came from were in real life these different races of shapeshifters. They are uh, uh, the last, the last remaining, like, extinct people of their own races. Boone just so happens to have, you know, some sort of shapeshifter's blood in him, so he's. That's why he was being called to Midian. Uh, he he might be the last of his kind. Um, once Doctor Decker realizes this, he thinks his his whole purpose and his whole calling is to wipe out the night breed just like he's wiped out everything else that he deemed unfit to be in this world boone's girlfriend laurie also follows them to midian looking for boone and is, is convinced that he's dead but has her own little you know personal journey to to discover otherwise the climax of the film ends up being laurie boone the night breed versus dr decker and uh the uh, the town of Sheerneck. The film is a very beautiful portrayal on how just because somebody looks like a monster doesn't actually make them a monster and the humans are actually the most horrific and disgusting thing in the entire film. All right, so when I was a kid growing up in California my mom worked at a photo developing store uh, called Photo Drive Up and um, when home video became a craze, tried to what cash in on it like most little small media shops did. They had a little video rental car. section. She used to bring home everything. Uh, I think I was about five years old and, and it is appropriately, not only the first horror film I remember seeing, but my first movie memory in general. I remember everything from five years old to now. She brought home Dream Warriors, Nightmare on Elm Street part three, Dream Warriors. And Nightmare on Elm Street part three, Dream Warriors was my introduction to horror and my earliest movie memory. I, like I said, was five. We lived on Coniston Way in California and I can remember the way the house was laid out and everything. My bedroom was on the furthest, in the furthest corner of the house. My mom was folding laundry and watching Dream Warriors. She was sitting on the couch, folding laundry in the coffee table, watching Dream Warriors. And I'm waking up, I'm walking out, I'm walking into the living room. And right when I hang in the corner, I see on the screen, I see Patricia Arquette running in place in like the blood in the boiler room scene, like in the, I think it's like the beginning of the movie. And then she's holding the little girl and she looks down and the little girl's a skeleton. And then she enters the boiler room and some chains hanging there and the bodies hanging there of all of Freddy's victims. I was mortified at five years old. I saw that scene. And my mom didn't notice I was there because she was glued to the screen. I see it, and I quick hide behind my dad's stereo equipment. And I very quietly kept poking my head out and seeing what was going on on the screen. My mom finally realizes I'm there and says you know, good morning, is this too scary, you want me to turn it off? And I just shook my head in, in mortified silence with my eyes as wide as could be and kept creeping around the corner to watch but not watch, kind of hiding, kind of enjoying it. And then I, I did this the whole entire movie. movie was over. My mom said, you know, you want some breakfast? I said, yeah, bowl cereal. And she's like, you want me to, you know, put some cartoons on for you? And I said, no, can you put that movie back on? Mom will tell you this too. I sat there. I watched that movie the whole entire day over and over and over and over again. And every time I watched it, I loved it a little more and I was a little less afraid. That is what not only started my love for film, horror films, but it also kind of, ignited my creativity. Uh, the next day I started drawing. I drew Freddie, naturally. I had my mom go out and buy, uh, they used to sell giant rolls of paper. And she bought me a giant roll of paper and I'd have her trace l- trace little five-year-old me's body onto the paper and then I would take crayon and, and, and make a little, little tiny Freddie out of my outline. Um, that's when I started drawing, that's when I started just being creative and then it was from that moment on that I would walk into a video store and the scariest looking VHS box art I want to see that movie and uh mom and dad didn't have any problem encouraging that and that's kind of what kind of what got me going why I started watching horror films (laughs) I don't particularly find horror films scary anymore Sure, some 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 things make me unner un unnerved. Uh, most, you know, uh, uh, strong issues with morality and stuff like that. I'll I'll look away. Uh, I usually find that the best horror films also still have a little bit of a sense of humor and like you know Nightmare on Elm Street did. I up until that point, seeing Dream Warriors had night terrors. Night terrors for those who are unfamiliar, are basically waking nightmares. You wake up from a nightmare. You don't realize that you're awake. You're, you're, you still have the nightmare with you. Those are actually things that they explored in A Nightmare on Elm Street uh, in, in like some way, shape, or form. Um, I, I, up until I was five years old, had night terrors so bad. My parents would tell you that I would wake up screaming, talking about the thing that I was dreaming about, like it was right next to me and they would actually have to take me by the hand and walk me around the house to to like show me that I was awake and that it was real, right? True story, my night terror stopped after I saw a movie about a guy who killed kids in their sleep. For some reason, my five-year-old brain rationalized reality and fiction and it never happened again. Yeah, true story. As, as a film, uh, one of the things that, after, after having seen it, that made Nightbreed so good, in my opinion, is that it's very much, Clive Barker's personality is in it, in it so much. I mentioned that Clive Barker was a playwright. I, I feel that there are parts of the film that are very theater. There are these dance segments, like when he's dreaming in the beginning of the film, where it's feels very much like a play like you're like looking at a a very elaborate set and there's this big you know dance number over over Danny Elfman's score you know uh just all these different things outside of it just being a horror film that 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 make it so colorful and creative and unique this is the movie i think people should see because it's not it's not your standard five victim slasher flick there's set design there's character design it's got a story it's not it's not just as i had mentioned blood tits and drugs although i think it has some of that too you know it kind of caters to everybody as far as that's concerned but it is really at the end of the day i think it's a it's like a cinematic cauldron it's got a little bit of everything it's 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 entertaining throughout. It's got your sex and violence, but it's got your, it's got your art, it's got your music. It's got your, just this huge cast of unique characters that you just wish you could see more. And for me, it was relatable. I, I kind of, first and foremost, I, you know, I kind of always, as I said before, the, the, the outcast to the feel like a monster surrounded by humans. i related to boon, I think. That's the standard for my idols <laughs> people like Boone Clive Barker his films as far as like my my whole life watching horror films and being into horror films as I mentioned they just they've always stood out to me there's always been something different about them like the, the signature that I mentioned you you know they're his they're they're unique they're 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 colorful and visceral and Characters like this don't exist in any other story uh, 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 in a weird way and and, and this is coming from a, a non-religious person, but they're they're biblical. They usually have a lot to do with heaven and hell, but neither of them ever look pretty. Neither heaven nor hell ever look pretty. Just a very unique relationship between horror, and fantasy between sex and violence. The films, the stories, they're, it's art. You can't call it anything else, it's just, it's art.
0: That was fun. Gabriel here again. I don't think I mentioned that in the beginning. It's me, Gabriel, co-host of the show. What up? So once again, you can look up Jay's stuff at Maximum Overdorf Films on YouTube. Check them out. They're pretty awesome. Gotta admit. And um, thanks once again to Jay for doing the show with us. We hope to have you back proper on the regular show. I, I just know you and Ryan are going to get along like like beasts. It's going to be a good time. Uh, in the meantime, please listen to the other Top Gallant radio shows, uh, Slow Readers, where Daniel Reichel and I discuss literature and literally nothing else. And um, that's kind of all we have cooking right now. There's always there's always something new on the horizon coming up with us. Ryan and I will be back next week. Um, I think it's a sex pick, right? Yeah, I think we're back to sex picks. So we'll figure that bad boy out. Um, follow me on Instagram at Babymara 5A the end of it, and follow us at Sex and Violence Pod on Instagram as well. Have a magical day, everyone. Bye.